welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Good Question with Jessica Tander at Podcast. Did you miss us? I sure hope you did. I hope you also went back and got caught up on all the episodes you might have missed in seasons one and two, and that you've been counting down the days to season three. I know I have been. I am thrilled to be back in your ears this week with the first episode of a brand new season, where every Tuesday we will be talking about all things apostolic music. I don't know about you, but there is just something special about having worship music playing in our house or in the van as we drive across the country, especially when that music comes with a powerful apostolic anointing. This season, we are talking to the people who are making that music, whether it be on solo keyboards in small home missions churches around the country or on huge stages with a full band and backup singers at General Conference, NAYC, or out on the road touring. This first episode features an artist who has her hands in both of those worlds. Brittany Scott is a songwriter and recording artist who is hitting the road again with another iteration of her popular Battle Cry tour. She is also a pastor's wife of a church plant in Seattle, Washington, where she leads worship every week. Brittany is also a new mom. She and her husband brought their baby girl home last year, and you may have seen her powerful video on social media sharing their testimony of the miraculous way God brought their daughter into their family. We talk about all of that and more today on the podcast. So stick around for my conversation with Brittany Scott. Brittany Scott, we are so pleased to have you on the Good Question podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. We're excited about kicking off a season where we're focusing exclusively on apostolic music. And as one of the uh, favorites around the Tanderup house for our girls that we love to listen to and watch on YouTube, we thought it would be so fun to have you on the podcast. We're so excited to talk to you about music, songwriting, recording, and then also about the wonderful new addition to your family. Before we get into all of that, I'll let you go ahead and just introduce yourself. Okay. Well, I am Brittany Scott, and um, my husband and I pastor our church in Seattle, Washington. We started the church um, almost nine years ago now, and we love being in the city and love seeing what God is doing here. But uh, going back just a little bit as far as music ministry and all of that, I kind of got into music ministry pretty young. Thankfully, my parents and the leadership at my church gave me a lot of opportunities as a young person. So uh, by 13, I was music director at a church already just because there was nobody else to do it. And I was the only one available and willing. So started off definitely young doing the music thing. And um, thankfully, it's just really laid a foundation for everything moving forward with us in ministry, uh, with our church, and then now, of course, with writing and recording songs for the church. Um, And then... 
as far as like education or anything like that goes, um, I did go to Texas Bible College for a very, very short time. Wasn't there long, but something important happened there. And I, that was that I met my husband. <laughs> so um, thankful for that. And then after we got married, we did youth ministry, music ministry stuff for a while before we ended up in Seattle. We are here now and loving it. Wow. That's so cool. I have not been to Seattle. It's one of those places on our list of places we would love to go. You definitely should. I always tell everybody you need to come at least once to the Northwest and then, of course, Washington State or Seattle area specifically just because it is gorgeous. We love it. That is what I hear. That is what I hear. We actually had the potential when my husband was in the military of being stationed there. Um, and we at never Fort were. Lewis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a, p- a possibility for us, but we never were. And I was honestly a little bit nervous about it because I, my husband likes to say that I'm a solar powered robot. Um, <laughs> my energy just like tanks whenever there's no sunshine. And so I was yeah. always concerned about, you know, the stereotypical thing that we hear about Seattle is that you guys get a lot of rain. <laughs> so yeah, I was always which, worried I mean, about that. <laughs> We definitely do get rain and like the gray sky thing, but it's not as much as people think. And our summers are perfect because it's usually like 80 degrees and sunny and it's perfect for being outside without being hot. It's not humid. So I would say our summers are probably amazing, but the rest of the seasons can be a little dreary. And if you don't like that kind of thing, <laughs> thankfully we like it. So <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really cool. So you mentioned that you started as a music director at 13 which is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have so many stories. That's, that's a lot of responsibility at such a young age. So how did you start then into songwriting and recording? Yeah. So when I um, was probably 11 or 12, I can, that's the first time I can remember writing a full song and mm. a best friend that I had at the time we were just, you know, like, hey, let's write a song together. So we sat down and did. We both, you know, sang and our parents were both um, somewhat, you know, involved in music in some way. So we decided to sit down and write a song. And um, that song was called I'm Not Chasing the Horizon. It was very, you know, mature for our (laughs) our 12-year-old. I don't even know how we came up with that. We just wanted to write something that had the word horizon in it for some reason. (laughs) But after we, um, that was while we were actually living in Texas at the time. And then um, my family moved back to Washington, which is where I was pretty much born and raised. And um, when we did, my dad became the assistant pastor at a church. And like I said, they didn't really have anybody to do the music. So I was already playing enough. I won't, I wouldn't say like (laughs) amazingly, but I was playing enough to be able to play for our worship services. So they let me start playing and then gradually just let me move into leading and our whole team eventually was all young people. So um, I started playing and we had a song leader at the time. And then I was like, we need a praise team. (laughs) I need a drummer. So I just started working with my brother, my sister, my cousins that went to that church. And they were all, you know, somewhere around my age, Um, all the way down to my sister. I started using her as a praise singer when she was like 11, because I was just desperate for a good soprano and she could do it. And she was able to show up whenever we were there. So thankfully, our leadership just really believed in us and let us get in and do the work. And we weren't just, you know, showing up to sing. It was really a team that was also dedicated spiritually and showed up to pray together. And they worked in the altars together and um, they were the worshipers. So yeah. I'm thankful that we were able to do that. And all of those young people have been used in ministry in some way since then in their adult lives. And so 
like I said, I really feel like it laid a foundation for us and it is a lot of responsibility, but I feel like these days we kind of can be too easy on our young people Mm. and not pushing them to take responsibility and do things that challenge them and push them to, you know, just be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, you know, they just, they expected a lot out of us, but we were willing to step up to that and to do that. So all of that to say, whenever I started playing and stuff full time and doing altar calls, I started writing a lot more because, you know, sometimes things are preached and you're like, I literally can't think of any song that goes with this message. And so I would just start writing altar call songs during the preaching and then get up and sing those for altar. And from there, just continued really writing, um, went through a couple of things, you know, in my young adult life that inspired some songs. And then really, I started pursuing it a lot more seriously after we moved to Seattle. So I will say before that, we did like a little live recording at the church we were youth pastors at in Tennessee uh, as a fundraiser for our music department. And um, so I was writing stuff already for them. And then one of those songs ended up making it on Texas Bible College's live recording, and it was called Mm. Only One. And so they recorded that. And that just really, I guess, reaffirmed to me that like, this is something that I can do that God has called me to do, and I need to take it seriously. So when we moved to Seattle, I just started pursuing everything I could about songwriting. Um, I got by about books, you know, I watched YouTube videos and then I started finding these songwriting retreats where, um, professional songwriters were coming in and teaching. So I started going to those and just trying to work on the craft of songwriting, really understanding what makes a song work and combining that with inspiration and anointing is really what allows our songs to have a greater reach. So I just started working on that. And then I realized, you know, if I want to really make myself known as a credible songwriter, um, lend myself some credibility, I'm going to have to start releasing my own songs. Mm -hmm. I can't just expect somebody else to pick them up and release them when to them, I'm just a newbie as a writer. So um, because of that, I decided to record that first EP, which was Fight For Us. And when God did what he did with that project, then it really reached the church in a pretty big way. I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. I I love so much of what you're saying. I think I I agree with you that that maybe our young people were not challenging them enough to step into roles that they could take on. And I think a lot of times we get so used to the way that we're doing things that we don't stop to look around at the people coming up behind us. Oh yeah, for sure. And saying, "How can I cultivate the gifts and the talents that God has given them?" Or we expect them to be farther along than they are before we'll will give them an opportunity or I'm sure there are lots of different reasons why that happens. But I think that's so important because what you're, what I'm hearing you say is that you had this gifting, you had this ability and you were working on honing the skill. But part of what you needed was the validation of someone saying, one, I'm going to, I'm going to let you take um, responsibility here. And then two, like the validation of someone else saying like, I like this song enough that I'm going to record it to help you feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. I think turning around and doing that for somebody behind us is so critical if we want to see the work of God continue into the next generation, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And I am very big on promoting, you should be mentoring somebody in whatever Mm -hmm. you're doing, even if it's not music ministry, but there should be somebody that you've got coming up behind you that you're training or pouring into so that hopefully if you're ever out of the picture, you've got that next generation that's there and ready to step right in, you know? Yeah, even we had a, an interview back in the early episodes of the, of the podcast. We had an interview with James King, who is a pastor and a mental health professional in Arkansas. And one of the things that he mentioned was just for your own mental health, you it's important to have someone that's mentoring you and someone that you are mentoring, someone that you're pouring the things that you know into. That's part of what makes a healthy person. And definitely, I think in the kingdom of God, it's what keeps our keeps our churches moving and keeps yeah. us in a, in a state of even of humility where this is not all about me. Um, how can I promote you? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you've had this, these recordings. And like you mentioned, you've had some great success with these early recordings that you've done. I know that there's sometimes a fear among I would say parents, maybe maybe leaders, when they see a young person who is so incredibly talented, especially in the areas of music, concerns about the pressure that comes on them to kind of venture out of the church, even if it's into more like mainstream, quote unquote, uh, Christian music. Have you had any experiences with that? Any pressures about that one way or the other? So I would say that I haven't really experienced any pressure, you know, from anybody else, thankfully. And at this point, I mean, I started releasing music later. I wouldn't say later in life because I was in my late 20s. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, at this point, it was late 20s. I'm 33 now. I feel like I'm mature enough that even if some of those conversations do come up, you know, I, I don't feel a pressure. I just feel an opportunity to explain, you know, where my boundaries are and why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say when I was getting ready to start the journey for the whole Fight For Us project, I was concerned about myself, like my own. I know that there have been so many people that have walked away from this apostolic truth or, you know, have chosen a different road because there's more popularity or more followers Mm -hmm. or whatever. And um, I was very serious about telling God if this is going to in any way cause me to lose my soul or lead me in a way that I don't need to go, then you close every door. I don't Mm -hmm. want it. And um, I think, thankfully, obviously, he honors that (laughs) type of mindset. But because of that, when I felt like he was opening the doors, I felt like it was safe for me to walk through, that it wasn't going, you know, I knew at that point, I'm not going to compromise. And if there's something that would lead me away, God will close the door. As long as I don't try to push anything open that doesn't need to be pushed open. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I was at the beginning. It's just, I don't, I don't want to be another one of those um, people that have chosen to walk a different way. My salvation is worth more to me than creating music. But I also feel like... Because of that, God was able to say, okay, I can trust you to do this and be sensitive when I don't want you to do something yeah. and then walk through the right doors, you know, that that open in front of you. So um, thankfully, like I said, no pressure really from, you know, peers or other people to do anything other than what God has called me to do. And I've made it abundantly clear that my first calling is really what we're doing here in Seattle. So mm-hmm. anything that would take away from that, from us pastoring this church and reaching our city everything else is secondary to that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a really like a grounding force in your life, right? To have that 
the role and the responsibility that you have as a pastor's wife on top of everything else keeps, I would imagine that it would keep you kind of your focus more on where it, like you said, that has to be your first priority. I think that's really good. Yeah, which thankfully, on the flip side of that, God has definitely used the music thing to bring more awareness to what we're doing in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thankful for that. And that's one of the reasons my husband really pushed me even to to go. And he allows me, you know, to travel and do some of the <laughs> events and things that I get to do. And on occasion, I miss a Sunday here and there with his permission. <laughs> but he he really has encouraged me to do that because he knows that that also is bringing value in some way to what we're doing. So just finding that balance of making sure that the church stays my first priority and everything else that I do is supporting that cause. Yeah. So when you're out on on these different events like you were saying the the tours and things how is that different than say a Sunday when you're up as a worship leader at your church? Is it different or do you see it as all part of the same uh, calling or how does that work? It might be slightly different just because when I'm at home leading worship to my church and my congregation, there's definitely a like connection to the people that we're specifically called to serve and just the spiritual atmosphere of our city. But um, as a worship leader in general, I would say from event to event and then back home, even though it looks different because when I'm home, it's just me. I'm the only musician. I'm the only singer. I play keyboard and I run multi-tracks and I lead all at the same time. And it's a lot and it's not, (laughs) you know, ideal. So it definitely looks different from when I'm out and getting to be a part of a team working with incredible, you know, background vocalists and musicians and all of that. But um, worship leading at different events and worship leading at home, would be somewhat the same. Touring is a little bit different because it just, you know, I hate to use the word show because as apostolics, we're, we (laughs) like, even on tour, like our goal is to have a move of God and for it to be anointed. And at the end, there's always an altar call and we're pushing for people, you know, to get what they need out of that. We are ministering still through our songs and through our music. There's just a little bit more involved as far as the elements and things that we use to support that because Mm -hmm. it is a concert and it's something that they're paying, you know, to come to and experience. So we try to marry that the best way that we can while keeping it definitely apostolic and spiritual and making sure that the anointing, you know, is our pursuit aside from all the other fun stuff that we get to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would imagine it's a lot to balance. What is the schedule like when you're on a tour like that? I always wonder, like, what have these people been doing today? You know? <laughs> yeah, probably driving. <laughs> yeah, no, it just, it really depends that there's sometimes where the last two tours that we did, we've had like just 15 passenger vans. So we'd have two or three of those full of people. And usually the band ends up in one and the background vocalists end up in another. And so they do have opportunity to kind of practice while we're on the road. But um, it's very jam-packed because we get to a location and then we're setting up, having sound check, doing the concert, and then usually trying to grab something to eat, go to a hotel, sleep. Then you get up and you're driving. Just depends on the next location. This last one, our drives were a little longer than normal. So Mm. we would be driving six or seven hours, getting to a location, unloading, like setting up, sound check, and just immediately going back into that. So there is a lot of traveling and sleeping on vans and stuff like that involved because especially our vocalists need to get as much rest as possible so that they can 
bring it 100% every night and not feel like they're going to have vocal fatigue and all of that. Right. But it's pretty much just, yeah, a lot of traveling, setting up, doing the concerts, <laughs> trying to eat somewhere in between all of that, and then getting back on the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking about mentoring earlier. These tours give you an opportunity to do any of that, or is there just not time? So one of the things that we do is we bring in a local guest artist at every stop. And a lot of times they are a younger and up and coming artist Mm -hmm. and it gives them an opportunity to open and connect even with our band and our singers and stuff like that and just get the experience of doing a tour. So in that way, you know, I don't know if you'd necessarily call that mentoring, but it is kind of opening a door Mm -hmm. or providing an opportunity. And then we also have a VIP experience at every stop and That includes, you know, like front row seating, free merchandise, early access to the venue. And we do a Q&A with them for about 30 or so minutes. So that allows the VIPs to come back with us and ask whatever questions they want of our artists, our band, our background vocalists. So we get to spend some time with them and hopefully invest a little bit in them depending on what, you know, their questions and stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a lot to do. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like you said, you're spending a day on a road and sound check and VIP. Yeah, but you know, it is fun. We're usually exhausted at the end, but it's always one of those things where you're you're kind of sad to, for everybody to go their separate ways because it's a great group of people. I love being on the road with them. Um, every person that's a part of the team is just such a great spirit, so easy to work with, and that just makes it fun. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's so fun. So as you're traveling on the road, you're working with people from all over the place. So you're getting to see a lot of different artists, like you said, up and coming artists in different locations. We're doing this whole season about apostolic music. And so one of the things that we're asking everyone is, what do you see as the future of apostolic music? How do you see it changing and shifting? And how do you see it comparing? Because there's been this rise of other evangelical organizations and churches having great worship music that's coming out of different places. How do you see our apostolic artists shifting or changing to respond to that? Or is that separate from what you feel like you guys are doing? Talk to me about what you see as the future for apostolic music. Yeah, so I think when it comes to like the future and even just kind of comparing to what is going on in other movements, um, I think the important part or the important thing for us to remember is that we are not called to compete with what anybody else is doing. Mm. Um, and the future is really just, it's going to depend on a lot of things. For one, our world is in such a crazy place right now. And I definitely feel like God is coming soon um, for His church. And so there's just a lot that's happening that is going to depend, I guess, on what we're able to do um, and where, really where our focus is. But um, one of the things that is important is that we remain true to this apostolic faith and our sound and um just and and by sound too, I don't mean to put it in a box because we have a lot of great artists that are singing songs and writing songs in many different genres, and I we need all of that. But we just have to remember that we are different and unique from other movements because we do have this apostolic truth and anointing, mm-hmm. and we're filled with the Holy Ghost, and that sets us apart. So there's no having to try to compete or compare with you know, what other people are doing. And um, every individual artist is going to have probably their own call that they feel like what God is wanting to do with them and through through them when it comes to their music. But 
as a whole, like we are here to serve the church and to reach the lost. And I, I actually recently had this conversation about kind of a desire to get our music outside of the walls of the apostolic movement, mm. which on the surface is not a bad desire because we want to reach people. But it can also lead, kind of back to what we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. it can lead to us trying to pursue more mainstream opportunities that can be bad for ourselves personally. Yeah. But one of the things when we were talking about that is that the truth is every time we sing our songs or our songs are done in a service or in an event and there is a guest presence, it's automatically reaching someone who needs this mm-hmm. truth that is outside really of this the walls of our apostolic movement. So if we keep being faithful in serving the church and you know serving the opportunities that are in front of us without trying to push open doors that might not need to open, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know God is going to use that to reach people outside of our movement and hopefully make an impact that draws them in or lays a foundation for the word to really take root in their hearts. And then if God does want to open other doors, he will. We won't have to force it. And mm-hmm. we definitely won't have to compromise to make that happen. Yeah. And and that's a, a big a big deal to me because I want to make sure that there is no compromise happening, <laughs> that we're not trying to push open things that, you know, doors that don't need to be opened, but at the same time trusting that God will make a way for our music to make the impact He wants it to make. And we can trust Him to do that if we just keep being faithful to the opportunities that He is placing in front of us. Yeah, I think it's it's all tied into making sure you're really examining your your motivation, like with, oh, br- yeah. with brutal honesty, like, you know, yes. self-assessment, like, why do I want, really, why do I want this to happen? Yeah. You know, why, why am I knocking on this door? Yes. Motive is definitely everything. Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> so in, in doing that, then do you have any boundaries for yourself around collaborating with artists and musicians who aren't apostolic? Honestly, it depends on the context. I think that in a work environment, um, which I would call that being in the studio or in a writing room, when it comes to the work of creating music, I'm not against collaborating with um, people that I trust are sincere in their love for God and their pursuit of Him. And they might still just be on a journey. And I know that God has placed me in the lives of some people or them in my life either way you know, for that purpose, because there's a relationship that needs to be built so that he can continue the work that he's wanting, that God's wanting to do. Mm -hmm. That being said, if it was somebody that had walked away from this truth in some way, then Mm. I would not be collaborating or endorsing them in any way, because there's a big difference in someone who doesn't know yet (laughs) and someone who knows and has chosen another path. Mm. And then also when it comes to a platform or a worship environment or, you know, something that would cause me to confirm or endorse a lifestyle or a non-biblical belief, then my answer would be no. And I just have to be careful, really, with, you know, how you handle relationships and and all of that. But um, at the end of the day, I know that there are people who are watching me and— There are people who are watching all of us, whether you're doing something like this on a bigger scale with music or it's just people in your local community or in your family. (laughs) There's always somebody that's watching you. And someone I was talking to recently uh, made this statement that everything we do either confirms or confuses. Mm. And so you have to make sure to ask yourself, you know, is this confirming the truth or is this 
causing confusion in some way. And I would never want to cause confusion or look like I was endorsing something that I do not believe or do not stand with or the Bible, you know, it does not line up with what the Bible has to say. So those are kind of my boundaries. And again, some of that is just case by case basis. (laughs) It definitely takes prayer to make sure, you know, is this something, you know, that God is bringing you my way for a purpose that he has, or is it something I need to say no to because it might cause confusion in some way? Yeah. No, I think that's really good. I think those are some good things to think about. And I like the distinctions that you're making between people who are sincere and those who who maybe are sincere, but who have who have walked away from shared beliefs and the protection that comes with with drawing lines around that kind of a thing. I think that's really smart and really, yeah, I think that's really helpful for people to hear just kind of how you think about that because I think it's a it's a challenge, right? It is because there's so much music that's so good. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? From just like a a listener's perspective, like oh, that sounds great, and you know. But there's spirits that get attached to things, too, that we have to be really careful of. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you're guarding yourself. And again, you're guarding the people that God has trusted you to. I hate to use the word influence because <laughs> influence, that whole influencer thing is just, you know, it yeah. has become what it is. But but it's the truth that, I mean, even without a social media platform, you are still influencing somebody. Mm-hmm. And we have to you know, be responsible for that and take it seriously that people are watching us. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any thoughts, any advice for someone who is interested or feels like they're called to lead worship or write music or do any of the things that you are doing? Yeah, actually, (laughs) the biggest thing is to just start. Like I try to tell people one of the biggest differences in me and what I'm doing and somebody else that has a desire and at least some ability to do this is just that I started somewhere. I just, I picked up the phone one day and I called a producer and said, Hey, this is what I would like to do. Can you give me a quote? You know? Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's usually that first step that causes people not to do something. It's just, they're either too scared or they're waiting for somebody to come, which I will say for a while, I was like, God, I wish you would just come and tell me yes or no. You know, Mm -hmm. when it came to Mm -hmm. recording this, these songs, I wanted a clear, clear answer and I wasn't getting it. So I was like, well, I just need to start trying the door and see what happens. And if it doesn't open, it doesn't open. And so I was like, I just, I'm going to call a producer and start there. Just, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but I called and he gave me a quote that was something I could manage. And I just felt a connection there with this particular producer. And so from there, we, you know, I tested the next door (laughs) and the next door. And when the project was complete and released, like the final confirmation that that was the right thing to do finally came. There was never, you know, God saying, yes, do this. But I definitely felt like it was what I needed to do. I just had to take a step of faith and try the door. And honestly, if you have an ability and it's something that you are passionate about, like God uses those things for his kingdom. So why would you just sit on them? Yeah, You should definitely try to do something with the talents and gifts that God has given you. And it's going to look different for, for everybody. But my advice would be to just start somewhere. And then along the way, you've got to be preparing yourself and serving and being faithful to the opportunities that are in front of you. 
if God were to open a door for me to record and I hadn't been writing already for years and working on, you know, my craft and my voice and stuff in other ways and leading worship already at my home church, then man, I just don't think I would have been prepared for the opportunity. But mm. because over the years, I was faithful to the things that God asked me to do and the opportunities that were right in front of me at my local church or my local community. By the time other opportunities started coming my way, I was ready for them. I had shown God that, hey, I've been putting in the work, you know, and I can I can take responsibility for the next thing that you have for me. So when we're faithful to those things, God definitely opens the doors. And um, even as like a worship leader, you know, if you're not leading worship on at your local church right now, finding ways to be a support to your worship team or to your music director, or even if you're a young person, finding ways to serve in your youth department or your children's department or Mm. at your school or somewhere in your community, just using your gifts for Him in some way and working on your craft putting the time and the effort in that goes to be good at your instrument, preparing, you know, and working on your voice or on writing, whatever it is. If you'll just put the work in now, be faithful to those things now, practice, practice, practice. (laughs) Um, God will definitely open the doors for you to do what He wants you to do. I love that. I think that applies to anything, uh, definitely to music, but also just to any other calling that someone might feel that they're interested in serving the Lord in some particular area, you can't sit and wait for someone to come and find you always and say, right. hey, I think I the Lord just revealed to me in prayer that you would be excellent at this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know that that really happens much. <laughs> I don't know that it does. I think that what happens is that the people who are who are willing and are available, they're there when the opportunities come up and their names are already known and they're their work ethic and their faithfulness is already uh, evident. And so that's, that's where the opportunities go. So I think that's really, I think that's really good advice. Okay. So before we shift gears and talk, talk about your, your new little one, is there (laughs) anything else on the music side that you wanted to include that we have not asked you about? I don't think so. I think we've really covered a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I can't think of anything off the top of my head. (laughs) All right. We've been over a bunch of stuff here. So you have had a new addition to your family. Such an exciting time, I'm sure. And such a beautiful story. We were able to see the video that you put out sharing your testimony. Just talk to us about that. Anything that you feel comfortable that you want to share. I think it's just such a gorgeous beautiful story. Yeah. So about six years ago, my husband and I decided that we wanted to pursue adoption. We've been married now for, um, it'll be 15 years in July. So uh, a while and, you know, we haven't had children biologically. And honestly, we haven't really pursued the reasons why we Mm. just, you know, I'm kind of one of those people that's like, God is able to do whatever he wants. (laughs) So if he wants to add to our family in some way, like I trust him to do it in the way that he wants to do. But like I said, about six years ago, uh, we felt like we wanted to pursue adoption. And so we started off on that journey. And um, there's a lot of different options when you want to, you know, adopt or grow your family in uh, another way other than biologically. So um, we ended up deciding on domestic infant adoption, which is adoption of a newborn baby in the United States. And in this situation, basically, 
you put together a profile book about your family with pictures and stories and any information you want to share. And um, when there is an expectant mom that is looking for a family to adopt her baby, then they get to look through all these books and they pick the family that they, you know, feel most connected to. And in some situations, uh, you get to connect with that expectant mom and actually have a relationship with them. It really just depends on what their desires are. So that was the road that we decided to go down. And of course, there's been lots of ups and downs, some that have been more public just because I've shared the testimony. For instance, we had a failed adoption that happened in um, September of 2020 after the baby was already born and we were already there, you know, Mm. waiting. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty difficult to walk through. And, you know, a lot of, of course, at the time, not understanding what the purpose was and how God was going to turn it around. (laughs) Um, I try to let people know, like, because on this side of it, if you've seen the video, you know that the testimony is that on tour, I shared the test, I shared what happened. And because I shared what happened, God brought our daughter into our life. And not only that, but before I even knew that she was going to be coming, I, every night I realized that God was using that testimony of, you know, still being in the waiting and trusting him to be an encouragement to so many people that are walking, you know, the road of infertility or just people that had nothing to do with them wanting a baby. They just needed a boost in their faith. And when I saw that, you know, our, at that moment, I realized, okay, it's worth it. You know, every mm. time we sing that song, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. <laughs> you know, it's like, do we really mean it? Because yeah. sometimes it looks like walking through heartbreak so that God can use your story just to touch somebody else's life and encourage them. Mm. And at, at the end of the day, like, we either believe and trust Him to use, you know, every part of our lives for His glory, or we don't. And so I started to see how God was using it just in that way. And then, of course, at the end of tour, we ended up with this adorable baby girl. She'll be three months old on the 1st of February. And God brought her our way because of that story and somebody hearing it. Mm -hmm. And all along, I realized that he knew you know, he knew we had to walk through that so that I would share our story so that the right person would hear it so that the right baby would end up in our family. And it's just, man, it's taught me so much about trusting God even more. And the fact that, man, he really does order our steps. There's that scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with all of your might, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And that is so true. It's not always easy, but it is so true because if we really genuinely trust him that he's got the bigger picture, <laughs> you know, in mind, he does direct our path. And looking back, I can connect it all the way back to the first time I decided to start releasing music, which sounds crazy, but it's like when I go back, if I hadn't taken that first step and released that EP, Fight for Us, you know, I would have never done a battle cry tour. And then if I hadn't done that first battle cry tour, I wouldn't have done this one. And if I hadn't done this one, I wouldn't have been standing on that platform, sharing that story at the right time in the right place that would allow God to bring this little girl into our lives. And like, it just blows my mind. It's hard sometimes to comprehend how involved God really is in every little detail when we just keep trusting Him and keep walking by faith. And I was going to say, I try to tell people that, you know, when you see that final testimony, you sometimes look at those stories and think, wow, they just had so much faith and like, maybe I'm just not like them (laughs) or, you know, they're just so spiritual or whatever. And I can tell you that that is not 
always the case (laughs) because there were so many moments where I was so discouraged and I would tell God, like, I just don't understand. Like, I I didn't see it. I didn't see how anything good was going to come out of it. There were times I just cried and poured out my disappointments to Him. There was lots of ups and downs. And for over a year after, you know, that failed adoption happened. But at the end of the day, the the important part is that you just remain faithful. Even if I got discouraged and didn't understand or got frustrated with the way things were going or not going the way I thought they should. (laughs) The point was that the next day I got up and I kept living for God. (laughs) And I stayed faithful to the church and the things that He called me to do. And because of that, God is able to keep ordering your steps and to keep working for your good. If you just keep getting up the next day and doing the right thing, even if you had a bad day, or even if you have, you know, a day where you feel like your faith is completely gone, you just have to make up your mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I feel like, you know, I don't know where God is in this. I'm still going to get up the next day and I'm going to live for Him because, you know, at the end of the day, my feelings are not always the most accurate thing. It just matters what the Word of God says. And He said that He would order my steps if I would trust Him. And he does. He really does. So it's been fun. Um, <laughs> on this side of things, looking back, I couldn't have written a more perfect story. And <laughs> the fact that it was on, you know, a platform like it was, there's so many people that have been impacted by the story. And if things would have gone my way, you know, it, really the story would have probably not made an impact on anybody but us. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to use it in a much bigger way is just really cool. And again, it's taught me, man, you know, <laughs> you just, you just got to trust him. Like, just a little side note here. Yesterday, we got a, an email from our landlord and uh, they're selling, we live in a condo building, but we rent and they're selling the condo. They just decided. So three months from now, we have to find somewhere else to live. Mm. <laughs> and like my first reaction is obviously like, oh, that's so stressful. Like, where are we going to go? Rent in Seattle right now is crazy. And like, we can't afford to buy anything. It's just, it's just the housing market. Everything is just crazy. And the fact that we're in the place that we are was a miracle to begin with. And so, you know, your first reaction is like, what in the world? What are we going to do? You know, we have this baby now and we're going to have to try to pack up and move in three months and all of that. But already, like, because of Asha being in our lives, I'm like, how can I not trust him? Like, he already saw this coming. He's going to open the right door because man, like he's in every single detail. How can I not, you know, there's no need to worry or stress because God's got this and he always does. Yes. I was just reading the story of Joseph this morning and a detail that stood out to me this time, because there's so many things in in his story that, that are the same thing that you're saying, you know, highs to lows to Lord, what are you doing? And Mm -hmm. the thing that stood out to me today was that when the cupbearer left him in the prison, God orchestrated that he would forget Joseph. Right. Because that wasn't the time for Joseph to be remembered. Exactly. That is so true. And he orchestrated it so that he would be forgotten for a little while so that when the right moment came along, he could be remembered again and elevated to the position that God wanted him in. And I've always just thought about how despondent he must have felt to sit in that prison and be like, one day, two days, you know, Yeah, (laughs) they're coming any minute, they're coming. Nope, they're not. (laughs) Um, And how that must have felt. But to know that God is in every single detail. For sure. What an encouragement. Wow. 
Well, he's definitely been teaching me a lot. (laughs) Thankfully, I just tell people, man, I'm so thankful that God is patient with me because there's been so many moments that, you know, I felt like he could have just been like, you are too much. (laughs) But he kept being patient with me because he knew what was coming. And I'm just, I'm thankful that he's patient and he teaches us and he keeps working on us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that's, I think all of that is a huge encouragement for families who are waiting for their children, whether biological or adopted, or for people who are waiting for an answer to prayer of some other kind. Is there anything, something that we like to talk about on the show sometimes is the well-meaning things that people say that really aren't that helpful. <laughs> so just to kind of give people a heads up, if, you, if you're if you trying to be helpful, maybe don't say this. Is there anything like that that you can think of that uh, you might advise for, for folks that are that are trying to encourage someone who's waiting for either children to come home or just an answer to prayer in general? So I'm probably the wrong person to ask this <laughs> because I am like, I don't want to say the least offended person, but I... Like, I just don't, I know people are well-meaning. And so I, I don't know. I just determined a long time ago not to be offended when people say things, you know, and most of the time it's, it's with a good intent, even if they don't understand. So even along this journey, you know, you know, people always want to ask questions and a lot of it, you know, it is out of a genuine concern or, or some of it's just out of nosiness, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I don't know. I don't let people's comments and, and questions and things get to me. I try to answer as honestly as I can when they ask questions. And so, again, I'm probably not the right person to ask because I just <laughs> don't let people offend me. <laughs> well, but that's, that in and of itself is a great is a great perspective, I think, to have because it can be easy whenever you're feeling vulnerable, uh, waiting for an answer from the Lord to to feel uh, easily offended yeah. or hurt by people's comments. And so I think it's good to to have the mindset of, hey, I'm going to, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to be hurtful. They're trying to be encouraging. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's good. I like it. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this baby now. How is it going? How is new motherhood? It's great, actually. So of course, you know, those first couple of months where you're up every two hours is, you know, an adjustment. Yes. But my husband is able to be very involved in everything that, you know, he's able to feed her and and take shifts and stuff like that. So we've just really tried to take a team approach. And um, thankfully, my family lives about three hours. So my mom and my sister have been over several times. And when they're over, they, they'll take the baby for the night so that we can get a full night's sleep, mm-hmm. um, which has been awesome. But we've really loved it. You know, she's she's a great baby. She's actually starting to sleep pretty much through the night now. So at three months, I think that's pretty impressive. Yes. <laughs> um, so she's, yeah, she's just been, she's been a lot of fun. It has been an adjustment as far as like church goes, just because we're still in that growing stage. So I don't really, you know, everybody's willing to help, but it's just one of those things where you just are a little cautious still. Yeah. <laughs> and so right now we have a little bassinet that sits on the front row where I sit and my husband and I just try to hand her off or put her in there when because it's just the two of us. So when wow. one of us is on the platform, the other one has to be holding her. So she's definitely showed up on our live stream already several <laughs> times because my husband has ended up just carrying her up there with him <laughs> to do whatever he's doing. Uh, so that has been a bit of a, an adjustment. But she's already even just traveled quite a bit in her short little life. And this year, 
you know, I already had my calendar kind of booked for the year and before I, we knew that she was coming. So thankfully it wasn't like super packed, but I do have a few months here and there that are kind of back-to-back events. And, you know, we just decided for this year to take her with me. And if my husband doesn't go with me, then my sister travels with me just to help. And we'll see how that goes. I might change my mind after this year and decide that it's not a great idea. Let's stay (laughs) home for a year after you have a baby. But, um, but as of right now, it's, you know, it's working and we're just, we're enjoying being a little family of three. So. Well, that is so exciting. I think, you know, one of the things that I've heard from people who have waited a long time to have kids is that sometimes once they come home, the hard things are harder to share maybe because you're, you feel guilty about it being hard. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause you're like, I prayed for this. I'm not supposed to feel bad. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like I'm not, why, why, you know, I shouldn't be so exhausted or I shouldn't be so whatever. And so and I think that happens even just for for moms who, you know, you just you wanted a baby and you had one. And then it's like, well, I asked for this, so I can't complain about, yeah. <laughs> about you know, being up all night or whatever. But it's I just, definitely not always easy. No, it's not <laughs> always easy. And, that, and that's the encouragement that I wanted to give to you and to other to other moms is that it's real. Like the adjustment period is real. The the upheaval of your life is real. The the word that kept going through my mind when my oldest was born and we brought her home was, wow, this is relentless. Like it just yeah. doesn't, it just doesn't stop. Like there is it doesn't no, stop. there's no pause button. There's no, like, there's no like stop for a minute and regroup. Like it's just constant. And that's why though, having family or having a community, even if it's, you don't have family that can be close, but being connected to a church family where there's people who are willing to say, hey, I can come by for a couple of hours yes. and give you a break or or whatever. Um, but for us, it's, it has been, you know, like my mom and my sister. And then, of course, the fact that my husband is able to be so hands-on just with all of the stuff that she needs that when you're like, I've got to have, you know, a minute, um, <laughs> then you can take that minute and not feel bad because somebody else is loving on her at the yes, time. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so, I'm so happy for you guys. It was such a sweet story. Thank you so much. So see your video. It just, I, I, I knew what was coming because my husband had told me a heads up. He's like, you have to go watch this and told me a little bit about it. And then I still was bawling my eyes out at the end. (laughs) I'm just so happy for you guys. It's so, it's so amazing. And so great to, like you said, to hear how the Lord is using your journey and all of those hard parts um, to bless other people. Yeah. I don't know if it has yet, but um, is any of this impacting any of your upcoming songs, any of your new, any new songs to come out of new motherhood? Or are you just focused more on her? <laughs> you know, I haven't like, I don't have anything at the moment because it has just been kind of a focus on her and readjusting, you know, what our day-to-day lives look like. But I'm starting to get the itch to start working on some music again and writing and, and all of that. So when that starts happening, I'm sure there will be some things that come out of it. The only thing is, is the things that I typically write are very specifically for like a church worship setting. So sometimes, Mm. sometimes the more personal stories don't always lend themselves toward the congregational (laughs) type of song. Um, So it'll probably just depend on, you know, the setting, who I'm writing with, what I'm writing for. Uh, But as of now, I haven't had anything yet, but there's so much, honestly, 
like I said, that God has been teaching me through all of this, that I'm sure it will pop up (laughs) in the songs to come. (laughs) I'm sure. Well, we will look forward to that. I'll keep an eye out for any new music that you have. So you mentioned you're going to be traveling some this year. Where can people come out and hear you if they're interested in doing that? Yeah, so we are doing another, um, basically an extension of the Battle Cry Tour from this last fall. So it'll be the same thing, um, just at new locations. And we'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina, Gate City, Virginia, and in Iamsville, Maryland. So if anybody's on that eastern side of the country... Then we will be there uh, at the end of April, beginning of May. So last two days of April, first of May. Fantastic. Um, and we're looking forward to that. And then otherwise, I'm trying to think. There's several just like there is a youth events happening in Georgia in May. There's a couple of music conferences that I'm going to be a part. So quite a few little things here and there. But <laughs> yeah, lots of chances for people to connect. And of course, to find your music everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and uh, be like us, go up, go up Brittany's YouTube video watches. Um. <laughs> yes, stream, stream on YouTube, stream on Spotify, Apple Music. <laughs> yes. It's free for you, but it definitely gives us a little bit in return. Well, there you <laughs> go. Just keep making music. <laughs> win, win for everybody. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always end our show with the exact same question. And our show is called Good Question. So we like to ask everybody, what's a good question that you're asking yourself lately? Okay, so I was trying to decide if I wanted to go serious or if I wanted to go lighter, and I have to. Okay, (laughs) good. No, that's great. (laughs) Because on the lighter side of things, my one question right now is, when am I going to take down my Christmas tree? Because Uh it's the end of January, (laughs) (laughs) and it's still up, and Asha, our daughter, loves to look at it, so I'm like, if I take it down, is she going to be super disappointed that she can't (laughs) stare at our Christmas tree? (laughs) Um, Anyways, that's kind of on a lighter note, but on a more serious side, um, I think one of the things we're really focusing right now on personally and with our church and stuff is what can I do to be more effective in reaching my city? So. That's probably where our brains are at really right now (laughs) and um, just trying to brainstorm, you know, what can we do to connect with people where, you know, they have a need in our city to to just help them to find their way (laughs) to God and um, hopefully grow the kingdom of God here in Seattle. Well, that's amazing. I am going to be praying for y'all as you keep keep on doing that, growing the kingdom of God in Seattle and uh, looking for a new place to live. And right. That's another good question. (laughs) Where Where will the Scots live? (laughs) Yeah, That's awesome. Well, I'm so thankful you were able to chat with us. We're excited about um, getting this out for people to listen to and uh, hopefully seeing you in, in person on tour this, this year. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you so much for your support of Apostolic Music and doing this series that is focused on our Apostolic Music. I think that's awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better way to kick off season three than that conversation with Brittany Scott. I loved hearing her story of growing up making music and leading worship in church. She was writing songs on the spot to sing during altar service. Y'all, that's amazing. 
I hope if you're a parent or pastor, a youth minister or worship leader, that you take to heart Brittany's encouragement to scour your pews for the talent and ability God has placed there, and that you cultivate those gifts in the young people or even the not so young people in your churches who desire to be used in music ministry or in any other area of the kingdom. If you've been sitting back, praying and waiting for a dream God has given you to become reality, maybe this is the week you take a step, knock on a door and just see if it opens. If you haven't yet, go check out Brittany's video where she shares the testimony of her daughter's adoption. It is such a beautiful reminder of God's perfect timing. And for sure, if you haven't heard Brittany's music, run, do not walk to download it today. It will bless your life, I have no doubt. If you have the opportunity to catch her out on Battle Cry Tour, grab up those tickets. Let's do everything we can to support our apostolic artists this season. That's it for this episode. We can't wait to get back here next week with another fantastic interview with another apostolic artist. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard today, would you tell someone about it? Did you know you can send a podcast episode directly to a friend in a text message? I do it all the time. We also, of course, love to see you sharing on social media. Come find us on Instagram at Good Question Show. I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com to follow along with Team Tanderup on our swiftly approaching short-term missions venture to Denmark. We're at Tanderups for Denmark on both Instagram and Facebook. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who keeps the kids outside just a little longer so mommy can finish recording is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. Special editorial consideration for this entire season goes out to our good friends, Ricky and Jessica Simpson. You guys rock. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.